raising up centers of outpouring in the nations of the world where he can just do exactly what he wants to do, where there's no restriction that says, well, God, you can only do this, but you can't do that. God, you can only have this much of our ministry, but you can't have the whole thing. I believe God just raising up a whole generation of fearless revival leaders that are going to just go after the fullness of the plan of God for people, for regions, for territories. But you know, one of the things is if you're a part of a ministry like that, you have to discern and understand the call. That the call is not just to have a nice place where you come and get a bless me message. But the call is really to something much deeper, to, to host the presence of God. In a way that transforms the lives of people. And there will be ups and there'll be downs and there'll be, uh, you know, there'll be elements of challenge and there'll be times that the powers of hell come against you. But it's an awesome privilege to be invited by the Father to be a part of His plan in this hour. And so I just want to say to Paradox Church that we recognize that you are called to be a revival hub. I believe that God is raising up Pastor Brad and Lisa to really be a mother and father in the spirit. You know, the Lord asked me recently, he said, would you be okay with being a father in revival? And I didn't fully understand the question until he put it to me this way. He said, what if your job oftentimes was not to be the one that stewarded the revival, but encouraged those that were going to steward the revival? And, you know, I believe the Lord is looking for fathers and mothers in this hour. That will really lay it all on the line and say, we want to do this thing. We want to go the distance. And I believe God's releasing a grace on spiritual mothers and fathers. Amen. And I just believe that Pastor Brad and Lisa are great spiritual mothers and fathers. And I believe God has given them wisdom beyond their years. And I believe God is going to use them in an accelerated pace in this hour. In fact, as I'm saying that, I'm seeing a runner running and I'm seeing supernatural wind hit the runner. And I just hear the word of the Lord to Pastor Brad and Lisa that there's a supernatural wind that is about to hit you in this season. And God's about to give you an accelerated pace that you're going to run beyond your ability and you're going to move beyond your ability. I see accelerated revelation. I see accelerated fire. I see accelerate grace on you to steward what God gives you. And Father, I just pray for that releasing of apostolic grace, Father. I pray that they begin to move into realms they've never walked in. And I just almost see that as you're going those realms, it's like, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready for this. And the Father says, I've already gone ahead of you and I've already made you ready. And so we just speak a grace an apostolic grace over Pastor Brad and over Pastor Lisa in the name of Jesus. And we come against anything that would try to stand in the way of the mark and the call of God on their life. And we bless them. I just almost sense that we need to release you to the real mandate on your life. Lisa, will you come up here? You know, I went through an experience where I was, Joy and I were planting churches and in many ways pastoring the churches and we were having a great time but God began to ask us to expand like that Jabez prayer enlarge your territory and we kind of had to be released from one level to move to the next and that meant that that we were going to walk in a new level of assignment and we were going to process and function differently and people were going to have to have grace with us to walk differently with us because we were going into an apostolic assignment an apostolic season and the reality is some people get 
gave us grace and some people didn't. But God gave us abundance of grace. And so those that did not give us grace, God made up the difference. And we walked into that assignment in that place. And we began to see, you know, it's like we went from addition to multiplication. That we went from pastoring and leading a group to stewarding nations and seeing God rock nations and move in nations. And I just believe the Lord is saying that he wants to release these guys to a higher level of function. I'm not talking about them leaving. I'm just talking about them building this place to the next level. Amen. Uh, I believe he wants to release them to a position of spiritual father and mother that is just absolutely amazing. And Lisa, I just hear the Lord say, I'm teaching you in this hour to be a daughter. I'm teaching you in this hour to be a daughter. And I just see a big blanket uh, being put on you. And it says acceptance. And I just sense like the Lord is saying, it's okay to be a quiet observer. It's okay to be in the back of the room observing the move of God and trying to discern what's happening. I just see the Lord wrapping you up as a daughter and saying there's grace for this season. There's grace for the multiplication. And Pastor Brad, I just see the Lord saying it's time to catch that baton. I just, I don't know really the fullness of this, but I see a runner and I see this runner turning back to you and passing the baton and it's almost like the Lord is saying I'm passing the apostolic baton for this region to you I'm passing that apostolic mantle for this region you and in fact it's not just for the region but it's for the nation and it's for the nations I see like a circuitry uh, like electrical circuits going out and the Lord said I'm making you well connected I'm connecting to you to those that carry the power I'm connecting you to those that carry revelation and you're going to add to what they carry And they're going to add to what you carry. And there's a grace for expansion in this season upon the gift on your life, upon the assignment on your life, upon the call on your life. And I even see as a family financial expansion. I see underwriters that God is going to bring people alongside of you that are going to underwrite the plan, underwrite the purpose, underwrite the call. I speak financial expansion. I speak spiritual expansion. I speak apostolic stretching. I say be stretched. I say there's grace for the stretch. In the name of Jesus. And God, I just, as an apostolic father, I release them to the fullness of the call on their life. I say, wild horses, come out of the gate. I say, come out of the gate. I just, I'm seeing the Kentucky Derby. And Lisa, I see that a hat on you. I see a hat and a dress. And the Lord says, it's time to come to the Derby. It's time to come to the Derby. It's time to come to the Derby. The horses are being led out of the gate. Brad, the Lord says, you're being led out of the gate. You're being led out of the gate. You're being let out of the gate. Swift runners for paradox should be a place of the swift runners, the apostolic runners, the prophetic runners, the evangelistic runners. The streams are flowing out of this place to the nations of the world. We release you right now to run. Come on, set your hands this way. We release you to run. Put your derby hat on. Should anybody have a hat? We had some African-American... Christians in here, they'd have hats on Sunday morning. But I just say in the name of Jesus, we put a hat on her in the spirit. She's going to the derby. I just say in the name of Jesus that Brad is running. Run, runner, run, runner, run, runner, run, runner. We release you to the apostolic purpose on your life. And there's grace for this season. Manze I see boarding passes. Like I saw last night, and I see nations on the boarding passes. 
I just have a sense that the Lord is going to be networking you with nations. And the Lord says you're going to have a ministry without borders. There's a geographical assignment, but there's a global assignment. I just take the limits off it. I take the borders off it. I'm to you as swift runners. Monze bebe bebe, I bless you. Yes, Father God. We thank you for the expansion. We thank you for the expansion. As the Lord is touching them, I want to ask anyone that's involved in the worship ministry here, would you just come? I just have a fantastic word that I want to share if the Lord lets me this morning, but I'm just going to obey the Lord. All the worship team, just come line up in front of us. Just face me if you would. I just see as they're enlarging, they're expanding. You know, worshipers are called to carry the spirit that's upon a place and a house. And there's different realms of worship. There's worship that, that is worship for a local body. And then there's worship for a region. And then there's sounds for the nation. And then there's sounds for nations. And I just hear the Lord say, this is a time of expansion in the sounds upon this house. That the Lord says the sounds are expanding. I just see the, I see musical notes and I see the hand of God like stretching those notes. And I just sense that it's a time of personal stretching. The Lord says each of you needs to become an intercessor. Each of you needs to become an intercessor. Because God is stretching you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult in your flesh, on your flesh in many ways. But God is stretching you. I see the sounds of the house being stretched. I see the mantle being stretched. I see the mandate being stretched and I see an invitation the Lord to come up higher for the Lord would say it's time to come up higher the Lord would say it's time to operate in a higher level the Lord would say it's time to operate in a higher function the Lord would say it's time to move up and there are there are certain challenges within your own soul that are going to be confronted in this season because as God moves you up higher you're going to hit against your own personal limitations but I see that breaker anointing coming on you to just break beyond those limitations that the only the wounds of your own soul and the issues of your own soul will not hold you back but you will give voice and expression to sounds for nations father we release an apostolic mantle on this worship team in the name of jesus we say stretch 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 holy ghost stretch in the name of jesus Oh, there's a really strong stretch happening. Lord, I'm stretching you way outside of your comfort zone. Lord said, quit trying to figure it all out. I see a series of straight lines, and I see the hand of God bending them and twisting them. And Lord says, I'm bending and twisting. Uh, I'm bending and twisting your logical thought processes to invite and invoke the rhythms of the Holy Ghost, for they are rhythms of healing. I see blue electricity coming off your hands as you play the guitar, and the Holy Spirit says to me, it's healing waves, it's shock waves of healing being sent out. You can't understand it, but you must accept that. God, we lose him into the stretch. I told you before, I see a war drum. Every time I look at you, I just see a war drum. It's like the enemy hates you. 
He hates you so much. And when you walk into a room, you, 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 you unconsciously or consciously, I'm not sure which, you make a spiritual assessment of the room. You know what's present angelically and you know what's present demonically. And Lord says, there's a watchman anointing on you. Shabababa. There's a watchman anointing on you. I'm seeing like a river that trickles a little bit, but I'm just seeing a gusher. The Holy Ghost says, there's a gusher coming. There's a gusher coming. There's a gusher coming. We release the gusher. Show by prophetic gusher. The diviners have cast their arrows at you. And we just pluck those arrows out. That spirit of divination hates the authority that you carry. We release healing right now. We pluck these arrows out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Lord says, I'm bringing you into a seer realm of worship. Vision will be your leader in this time. You'll see what's supposed to happen in the spirit. And then you just act out what you saw. Lord says, you'll see worship sets. You'll see atmospheres. You'll see encounters. Lord said the seer realm is growing in you in this time. Growing in you in this hour. And you're going to see worship by the Spirit and move in it by the Spirit. Father, I just thank you for an increased prophetic function. An increased prophetic flow, God. I thank you for not only stretching her, but using her to stretch others. Lord says be bold in that. Manza, Lord says, I'm using you to stretch others. They're not offended at you. They're offended by the prophetic challenge. Manza, I'm using you to challenge them and say, come up higher. Come up higher. Even on your team, the Lord's using you to stretch others. Shanda, Manza, and there's really been a spirit of offense loosed against you. Manza, manzeke, manje, it goes out ahead of you and offends people. I just break that spirit of offense. You will not carry that name, Mama. It does not belong to you. You will not be wounded by their offenses. Trying to stop you from running, but the Lord says you're going to run. The Lord says you're going to run. And I just feel like the Lord is saying this is a time for you to do all that's in your heart. Don't do some of it, but do all that's in your heart. God's mantling you with unshakable faith. It's just a time of such personal encounter for you. <laughs> just, there, there's been some real heaviness that flows in your bloodline, in your natural family. It's like I just see the hand of the Lord just plucking you out from under all that heaviness and just saturating you in joy. I see the words fully redeemed written over you. It's like the Lord is saying to you this morning, you've been fully redeemed. You've not been partially redeemed. You've been fully redeemed. And you'll carry none of that heaviness. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I bless you with peace this morning. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray for addition even to this team. 
that you add in the right people, but God also that you block the wrong people. Block those that would come to create chaos. Block those that would come to create dissension. Block those that would come to put flies in the ointment that this team is carrying. And Father, we thank you for purity. It's like the Lord is saying that the sound of this place is supposed to be a pure sound. It's not supposed to be an impure sound, but a pure sound. And the fight is to keep the sound pure. But the Lord says you are well able to steward the sound. Father, we thank you for the sounds of revival. It's the weirdest thing, but I see worship unfolding from here. And I see the groan of intercession hitting the worship. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that flows. But it's like I just see even people as they're singing being overtaken with intercession. And yielding that. And I see it rippling through the people. And I see waves of deliverance going through the intercession. Like the Lord is saying. As intercession comes through this place. There's going to be waves of deliverance. Wave after wave after wave. Like bodies will be healed through the intercession and the worship. Then minds will be set free through the intercession and the worship. Certain kinds of spirits will flee through the intercession and the worship. So Father we thank you that this team stewards that. Yeah Father. We just bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for the pure sounds. Thank you, Father. God, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. God is really doing something in this house. You know, I find in my travels, I go places and most people have no revelation of what they're carrying. Because they do life with each other and they see the warts and they see the wounds and they see the insecurities And it's like unless it's a major ministry that's been raised up all around the earth where people are flying in to be in their services. I was preaching with this one guy from Chicago and there was a lady at the meeting that lives in Atlanta. And she said, I fly every weekend from Atlanta to Chicago to attend that ministry. And unless it's like that kind of a supernatural thing, most people locally and regionally have no idea the band of warriors that they're running with. They have no idea the voice that they're hearing from every week. And I would just say to you, and many people said this in the years, actually people came to churches that we led and they would actually prophesy this. They would say, one day you're going to realize what you had. And I would always kind of be like, uh, because the indication was that when we weren't there, then the people would realize. And I would think to myself, isn't it amazing that you can have a gem and a diamond right in your midst And you don't recognize, you could have a three-carat diamond and then a a nice cubic zirconian comes in from out of town and everybody goes, isn't that fascinating and wonderful when you have a diamond in your midst? And I believe it's one of the real challenges of local revival ministries is that, that, that there's major leaders that are being called to regions and the people in the region don't recognize what they've got. And then if you pluck that whole group up and take them somewhere else, people would be, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. But I just say to the people of Paradox, realize the door that stands in front of you to be a revival hub that touches the nations. And God is doing something significant and great in your midst. You may not always feel every week. You know, one of the challenges of revival is when you don't feel all the bells and all the whistles. I mean, it would be hard today to experience the level we experienced last night. But here's the thing about God. God's new every morning. And God speaks through a whisper. God speaks through a thunder. God speaks through a roar. Jamie gives really good voice to that, the roar of the Lord. But all in all this multiplicities of the expression of God. You know, God's teaching me. Just because it doesn't fit in my box doesn't mean I need to reject it. 
And God is so awesome that there's a multiplicity of expressions. And he's inviting you, Paradox Church, to be a revival hub to steward his presence. And so I want to say to you, realize what you have. I travel all over the world. I don't know how many nations I've been to, but this year I have no, there's like no open space on my calendar. And California is saying, please come back because I was in SoCal. And we had a real just thundering revival. And they asked me to come back. And I said, if I can, I will. North Carolina is asking me to come stay a month. And then we stepped into something in Bendigo that we probably need to be there a week or two weeks. And they're like, can you come back in November? And I'm like, I can't, but God could. God will have to work all this out. And I'm saying to you, you have something rich and precious here as an outsider. I'm saying recognize what God's inviting you to steward. Amen. Thank you, Father. Isn't God good? All right. We're going to get in the word for a few minutes. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. You are amazing. I just want to say to Pastor Brad and Lisa, you guys are amazing hosts. I, I don't have adequate words to express how wonderful you are. And I have an emotional deficiency disorder that uh, it's, uh, I, I'm not the most emotional person. Like I see in my head visions of me, you know, making these big emotional pronouncements, but I can't get them out of my head from my mouth. So, <laughs> uh, so I just want to say, though, you guys are awesome, and we really dearly appreciate you and bless you, and we look forward to building a relationship with you. Amen. Uh, and I, I want to talk to you more about that this afternoon and tomorrow. But I, I want to share something with you for a few minutes today. And I believe this is going to be a real healing service. Amen. I believe God wants to heal something. Now, I want to share my story with you and share some scriptures with you. And I don't know how much time I'll have to share all of this, but I'm going to share as much as I can. I was raised in a home that did not know Jesus. In my house, and I don't like to share this all the time because it, it brings offense to some of the people involved. But in my house, as a young person, it was normal for my dad to brutally beat my mother. I had an uncle that was diagnosed as schizophrenic. He's since died. And one day, he locked me into a closet as a toddler and began to tell me ghost stories. And a spirit of fear came in and bound me from that time forward. And uh, the spirit of insanity was normal in my family. It was something that had rippled through the generations. And many people in our family were diagnosed with various kinds of mental illnesses and insanity. And so it was just a normal thing to have demon powers operating in our home. When I had that spirit of fear, one particular night, my dad got very angry with my mom. And he began to beat her. He beat her so bad, she ended up in the hospital. But I knew that night he was going to potentially kill her. And I was terribly afraid as a young, I don't know how old I was, maybe five, six, seven years old. I was terribly afraid of the dark. But I knew the only way to keep my mom from dying that night was to run through the dark to the neighbor's house and tell them what was going on. So I ran to the neighbor's house and they called the police and they came and rescued my mom. And that was the situation that I was in when Jesus came and found me. And at 16 years of age, the Lord called me to the ministry and turned my life upside down. And he sent me to Bible school. I began to have these experiences where I would shake and tremble. God asked me to get up at 6 a.m. and go to the intercessory prayer meeting, which was a group of older ladies. And I didn't fit with that group. 
But God was teaching me how to be a prophetic person. I would get these experiences where I would shake. And they told me it's the prophetic stirring in you. God wants you to prophesy. And I had a radical uncle who had been delivered from drug addiction and born again. And he told me, he said, Ryan, this was his framework of the prophetic. He said, prophets, go out in the wilderness and scream to the Lord. And he lived in the San Joaquin Farming Valley of California. And we were living on his property, my mom and I at the time, because my mom and dad had split. And I would go out and hike in the wilderness of that farming valley and cry out to God and cry out to God and cry out to God. My uncle was right in the midst of the Word of Faith movement with Hagen and Copeland and, and all those people. And he had this huge library of books and tapes. And I began to listen to everything I could get my hands on. I listened to this one tape series called The Spirit of Prophecy by a man named Norval Hayes. And on this tape series, I heard stuff I never heard before. I heard the story of the night God spoke to him. That he was going to heal a woman in a wheelchair. And so he got the ushers and they picked this lady up. Nothing happened. And on the tape series he said, we drug her through the auditorium with crippled lame legs for an hour and a half commanding her to be normal. And after an hour and a half, Jesus walked into the building and made her crooked legs normal. And she began to walk on her own strength. And something in me said, that's the family you're called to. That's the DNA you're called to. And so with that, I decided to leave all of my family in California, move across the nation to Tennessee, to go to this Bible college. And I got there and through a series of events, the Lord spoke to me one day and said, you're going to carry on the mantle of faith that he has. He became my spiritual father and he began to pour into my life. And God began to rip off of me the shame and rip off of me the orphan heart and rip off of me the rejection that was dwelling so deeply on the inside of me. And now some 20 years into ministry, two of the greatest hindrances I see to the call of God on people's lives is the orphan heart that doesn't allow them to connect and become a part of a spiritual family and the, the, the ambition that places a ministry building mentality above a family mentality. Now I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about the inheritance of sons and daughters. You see, I believe it's critical that we move from a ministry mentality to an apostolic fathering mindset. I believe these revival hubs are called to be places of inheritance. Why can we stand before demon powers with confidence and command them to bow for one reason and one reason only? Because we are the sons and daughters of the living God, mantled with full authority and full power. You see, when Jesus died for you, he didn't die to give you partial authority. He didn't die to give you partial power. But he died to give you full authority and power and dominion over all all the works of hell and when God helps you to renew your mind and get delivered from an orphan heart you begin to realize you've been adopted into the kingdom and everything heaven has is yours I believe that God wants to raise up a generation of world shakers but they've got to be sons and daughters the lack of sonship of the sonship mindset really breeds rejection and rebellion and we begin to do things. You know, I catch it in my own self many times. 
that I'll begin to do something from the wrong mindset. It's like you can pray for exploits, but if you're doing it to prove to other people who you are in the kingdom, then even though the prayer is right, the motive is wrong. And I believe we're living in an hour that the church has been absolutely crushed by powerful people who had an orphan heart and rejection dwelling on the inside of them. And it's wounded and hurt the body of Christ. How many great revivals have we seen in our lifetime that came crashing down? Because the person leading the revival would not receive counsel, would not receive instruction. And you know why they wouldn't? Because they were bound with an orphan heart. They were bound with rejection. So they were doing exploits. But they were not doing relationship. So many times in our walk with God. You know, I used to desire when I was newly saved the power of God. I want the power of God. I want the power of God. And I'm still like that. I, I want the power of God. I'm fascinated. I wonder sometimes what was the price certain people paid to do the exploits they did. But many times I think our motive for that is to heal that wound of rejection. We think if we become powerful, everybody will validate us. And God himself will validate us. But the reality is God already validated us. Jesus already made the way into full acceptance and full power and full authority. And what a privilege it is to be released to just be who you are with no rejection working in you. If you are a quiet soaker, you can know that you're accepted. I've tried that. It just doesn't work well for me. I was preaching in this one place, and I said, why does nobody soak in my meetings? And the guy said, because you're screaming all the time. <laughs> I've tried to be quiet, but I can't do it. I've tried to pray sweet little prayers, but it doesn't work for me. But here's the deal. I'm accepted. God made me with all my vibrancy and all my boldness and all my loudness. And if you're quiet, God made you. And God uses the multifaceted personalities and gifts of people to fully equip his children. I went on this journey. It's very unusual for me because I've always, I have been in my previous years of ministry, a very prophetic preacher that when I went somewhere, I always tried to discern what's the word of the Lord for this place. And I had this encounter with God where God said, everywhere you go, you have to do a message on impartation. So if I only preach one time, I had to preach on impartation and then lay hands on everybody. If I preached three times, I had to do the last meeting that way. I was in Georgia and I was preaching on impartation. We lined everybody up and had them walking past us, praying for them. And this one man got in front of me, grown man. And when he stood in front of me, the Holy Ghost said, I want you to release the blessing of the Father on him. And I want you to break the curse of abandonment that came from his father. And I began to speak. You know how you reverse a curse? You lose a blessing. You just say the opposite thing of what the devil says. So, you know, when the devil's harassing you and the devil says you're nuts, you're crazy, you begin to get a scripture and say, no, I have a sound mind according to the word of God. When the devil says you're not ever going to prosper, you get a scripture and you begin to speak the blessing over yourself. You take a curse off through a blessing. And so I began to bless this man. I began to say to him, I call you a mighty man. I call you a David in the spirit. I call you accepted in the beloved. And all of a sudden, God just crumbled that heart of rejection and he melted in the floor and the healing power of God came on him. 
him. And you see, I believe there are people in this room today that you're called to steward great authority. You're called to steward great power. But God wants to rip out the orphan heart from you and rip out the rejection from you. And God wants to release you to be who you are authentically called to be. There is such a freedom in that that I'm not called to manifest your Holy Ghost. I'm not called to operate in your gifting. I'm not called to steward your flame. I'm called to manifest the unique expression of the Holy Ghost through me. I'm called to operate in my unique identity and gifting. And I'm called to steward my own flame. And there's a great freedom from that rejection, that rebellion. We have a lot of rebels in the kingdom in this day. In fact, many of the young preachers are really rebels. They won't connect to anybody. They won't listen to anybody. They won't allow anybody to speak in their life. And they're going to crash and burn if they don't get delivered from that. I'm thankful for ministers that are giving their lives over to father people and to help people. And I believe it's one of the real things. Now, you cannot be a spiritual son or daughter without first coming into the identity of who you are in God. I want to look at Romans 8, and I want to read it uh, in the Amplified. Romans 8, 14. I'm sorry, 15. It says, for the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship in the bliss which we cry, Abba, Father. We know in the Greek that's an intimate term for Daddy. So he says, look, when you get the Holy Spirit... Part of his mission in your life is to deliver you from the spirit of slavery. As sons and daughters, we don't pray because we have to. We pray because we get to. It's amazing. People will ask me, how do you pray? How much do you pray? And what they're really looking for is a formula. So I will seldom ever answer that question honestly. Why? Because I don't want to mantle somebody with a formula. I want to mantle them with relationship. Because you're not called to pray the way I pray. You're not called to do what I do. You're called to do what Holy Spirit wants you to do. And your prayer life has to be your own romance. Where you're romancing God and God is romancing you. How offensive it would be if I took a poem that someone wrote for their wife and read it to my wife and pretended that it originated from my heart. God is looking for authentic expression of relationship. And part of the assignment of the Holy Ghost is to create that expression. You know, I really struggled. I had a mentor that would pray about four or five hours a day minimum in, in the spirit. And not only that, but he would put no music and just go into a dark room and pray in tongues like that. And I got mantled with that. And it, and it was a time in my life that God was teaching me discipline. And I began to do that. One day I was going to minister in a service and I had not done that. And the, my, my, somewhere in me said, There's not going to be any power in your meeting tonight. I said, why? And this voice said, because you haven't prayed enough. And I realized it was the voice of condemnation. And in an instant, I said, my goodness, I've become religious about praying in tongues. I've now made what's supposed to be relationship a work. God set me free. Some friends of mine had Reinhard Bonnke in to preach. And Reinhardt said, oh, you American preachers. 
You think you have to have a special room in certain hours? He said, my prayer chapel is a seat in an airplane many times where I cultivate the fire and the power of God. God sent me to Oral Roberts' home. And I said, what was the secret of your power during those days in the healing tents where thousands were healed and millions were touched? And he said, I prayed in other tongues. But he said, I never prayed three, four, five hours at a time. I prayed in little 10 to 15 minute increments. Why do I say all that? I say all that to say, God wants joy relationship to be a romance the Holy Spirit is coming inside of you crashing down on the spirit of slavery slavery says you must do this and you must do that and you must do this and you must do that the spirit of sonship says you are invited to do this you are invited to do that and when we pray from sonship when we worship from sonship there's great power what power would be upon us if we began to wake up to who we are in God the sons and the daughters of the living God so God began to say to me Ryan you can't people can't be your spiritual son or daughter when they're not mine many people come into the kingdom as slaves and they come in trying to earn the approval of God so that's their their idea of relationship I'm going to do a for Brad because he's going to do B for me I'm going to do C for him because he's going to do D for me So I have about a good 50% of the people that try to connect to me. They're not really wanting to connect to me to run with me. They're wanting to connect to me to find out what I can do to promote their ministry. My true sons and daughters, I'm their biggest fans. I've sent personally their articles to Charisma and Elijah said, I think you guys should put this out. But you see, it's flowing through relationship. It's not flowing through slavery. It's not an exchange. It's not a business transaction. It's a wooing of the Holy Ghost. When I was 17, the Holy Ghost wooed me to this general of faith to teach me how to walk out of every bondage that had been strapped upon me since an infant and walk in the freedom and the deliverance of God. God wooed me by the Holy Ghost and I didn't go there and say I'm going there if I get this and this and this and this. See this is the problem. Many people join companies and hubs and ministries and churches with a slavery mentality. I'm going to do for you this if you do for me that and if you stop doing this I'm not going to do that and the invitation is the relationship to inheritance, to DNA, to begin to navigate the ups and the downs. One of my prophet friends had a, a younger prophet come to them and join up with their ministry. And the lady got offended, the younger lady did, and told my friend, well, you, you didn't walk in love with me one day. And I said, they'd never make it around me because I get crabby sometimes. I have spiritual sons and daughters that there have been days that I just said exactly what I thought with absolutely no filter. But here's the thing, family gets messy. See, if you're in it until somebody says something you don't like, you're still operating that slavery mentality. You can't come to the Lord and say, God, as long as you ask me to do things I like, I'm going to serve you. One time I was preaching this television. You'll like this, Jamie. I was preaching this television station. And I saw the, the man who found the station, I saw his wife in the spirit covered up in wounds. And the Lord told me if she doesn't get healed, it's going to shut down their ministry. And I want you to prophesy that over her. I said, oh, God, how am I going to do this? And he said, you're going to kneel at her feet and prophesy from a knelt position the healing of her wounds. So I did it, and I knew she didn't receive any of it. And the Lord told me, you did what I asked you to do, and now 
put it in my hands. A few weeks later, the man came down with cancer. He ended up dying. Today, she's out of her position. And I believe the Holy Spirit sent somebody to help bring her to a point of healing, to bring her to the point God was calling her to be. But you see, rebellion and rejection of the fruit of not understanding who we are in God. And the Holy Ghost is sent to bring identity to us. It says this, that the Spirit himself testifies with our own spirit assuring us that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit testifies that we are the children of God. In Luke 1.17, it speaks prophetically about the last day's move of God. It says he himself, the spirit of Elias, will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient and, and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright. I believe what the Lord's saying. Then he says to make a people prepared for the Lord. I believe the Lord is speaking of a move of God when the prophets begin to call the body back to wholeness and the apostolic fathers and the mothers begin to arise. And I believe this is the time that we're in. This is the Malachi man that God's calling a generation of spiritual fathers and mothers to release identity. There is an inheritance for sons. I want to say to you that I believe we've only begun to taste the realms of power because we've approached it from a spirit of slavery. But when we come into sonship, power flows like a river. Prophetic flows like a river. When we come into sonship, there's greater authority. Some of us have not been able to walk through the doors because we haven't had the authority. But when we get healed and set free to be sons, and daughters of God there's a release of authority God wants to release authority today in this place now you know there's an interesting story about Elijah and Elisha Elisha's plowing this field and Elijah walks by and throws his mantle out and Elisha gets up and follows him in the latter days of Elijah's Elijah's time on earth Elisha says this in 2 Kings 9 2 rather 9 and 10 When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, What shall I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, You've asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if... Now everyone say conditions. Many prophetic words are conditional. God says, This is what I'm going to do if you do that. This is my promise to you if you do that. This is the result if you do that. And Elijah says to Elisha, you're going to get a double portion if. What was the if? Watch this down. The if was this. You ask a hard thing, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall be for you. Now we preach that as charismatic Pentecostal people. And we read it to us to say this. Oh, we're going to have a double portion service. As if there's some shortage of supply of the Holy Spirit. And it's only when we get to a certain level that God releases the double. The double here has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. The double portion, scripturally, was the inheritance of the eldest son. And what, why Elijah said, you ask a hard thing. Because to be the eldest son, to get a sonship blessing, which is what Elisha was asking. He goes, I want your double portion. I want to be your son. I want to get the sonship portion. And Elijah says, you ask a hard thing, but if you see me at the end. In other words, if you've made it all the way till the end, if you've remained faithful in your assignment, if you stuck it out, if you walked alongside of me all the way to the end, then whatever falls off from me, you're going to get the inheritance blessing, the sonship blessing. And one of the marks of sonship is long 
longevity. See, when you realize you're a son of God, you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. And when God puts you in spiritual relationships, there is longevity when it flows from a healed heart. The double portion was the sonship blessing. In, in Jewish culture, the elders or the firstborn had special privileges. If the father, listen to this, listen, listen, listen. If the father was gone, it was the eldest that had authority. What did Jesus say? I'm going up, but I'm going to come back a little while. But while I'm gone, I'm giving you, my sons, my daughters, my brothers, my sisters, all authority. In the, the, the in this Jewish culture, when the father was gone, the eldest son was in charge. What did Jesus say? I've given you dominion over all the earth. We've been put in charge of this realm. We can flow in power. We can flow in authority. We can flow in the prophetic. Why? Because we are the eldest sons, given power, given authority. God our daddy put us in charge but too many of us are trying to operate from a place of rejection and God this morning wants to come crashing down on that in Genesis it was Reuben the eldest son that told his brothers you're not going to kill Joseph why that was his responsibility the firstborn was charged for looking out for the younger siblings the firstborn received a double portion according to Deuteronomy 2 15 through 17 in the New Testament, the Bible says many things about firstborn. In Romans 8, 28, 29, it says Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. Christ was the firstborn. He came with the Father's blessing and did what? Healed people everywhere he went. Delivered people everywhere he went. What are we called to do? We're called to do what Jesus did. He was the firstborn amongst many brethren. In Colossians 1, it says Christ is the firstborn over all creation. He has power over all the creation. In Philippians uh, 2, it says he has authority over all men. In Colossians 1, 18 and Revelations 1, 5, Christ is the firstborn from the dead. In Hebrews 12, we read of the church of the first born the church we are called to be part of the church of the firstborn we are not called to live as slaves but as sons now i want to give you five graces of a son i believe there are five supernatural graces of a son in philippians 2 19 it says i trust in the lord to send timothy shortly to you that you may be of good comfort for i have no man like-minded who will care for your state all seek their own one of the first signs of somebody operating outside of sonship is when they connect to other people, but they're constantly seeking their own. Well, I'm going to come be a part of this ministry as long as you let me preach. I'm going to come and join your prophetic team as long as you never shut me down. I'm going to come and be on the healing team, but I need to be in charge. As long as there are conditions... Now, I'm not saying you should ever be abused or mistreated, but as long as you will not connect relationally without a list of demands, you're still operating out of that spirit of rejection. And God wants to set you free from it. God isn't trying to build ministries in this hour. He's trying to build families in this hour. And I believe the realm of blue flame revival that God's calling us to steward, we're going to steward as families. Thank you for that underwhelming response. I know in your spirit you're shouting amen. Thank you, Lord. For all seek their own. Now, let's talk about five graces. Number one is the grace of identity. When you come in spiritual relationship, become a son and a daughter, the DNA of the house is put in me. Wasn't even something I asked him in his house. And he had a swimming pool. He said, Jesus and the Holy Spirit live in water. And so we'd get in the swimming pool, and we'd be in the swimming pool, and he'd say, oh, Ryan, I remember back in Texas when John Osteen was building a church and he was believing God for cows for his missionaries. 
And we had this meeting, and we started worshiping God for cows, that when he'd bring in his missionaries, they'd slaughter them and have beef for the missionaries. And God sent them 15 cows. If you learn to believe God, Ryan, God will send you. And, and, and he'd just be teaching me all the time and pouring that into me. I caught a measure of his DNA. Now, my message is very different, and the way I operate is very different, but I caught a portion of that DNA in sonship. There's a release of identity. There's a release of DNA. So many people don't know who they are because they're not connected to anything. God wants to connect you to people and places that will unlock something inside of you. So there's a grace of identity that when you get connected where God has you, it opens up your identity. You know, when I start getting connected to other apostolic prophetic people, I said, oh, I'm not crazy. For years, I thought I was crazy. Because in the stream I was in, if you talk about apostolic prophetic, they did this at you. But then I got around all these people all over the world that said, you're giving voice to what I'm sensing and what I'm hearing. I had to get in the right stream. See, there's a DNA. There's an identity. As sons and daughters, there's a grace of identity. Abba, Father, wants to lose his identity. And then God connects you to spiritual mothers and fathers on earth, and they plant the seeds of identity in you. Amen. There's another grace. This one will make you really shout. The grace to serve. As God's children, we are graced and empowered to serve him. When God connects us to fathers and mothers in the spirit, we can serve not just by natural means, but by spirit and bond. You know, a lot of people, they connect to a spiritual mother or father and they get offended. And I always tell them, if you're praying enough, you're not going to get offended. See, they want spiritual mothers and fathers to have grace with them, but they don't have any grace with them. Well, he didn't have coffee with me every week. My spiritual father really never did have coffee with me every week. I went and sat on the front row of every meeting that I could get in that he did, and I just hung around long enough until they said, who is this guy? See, if you go in demanding, well, you've got to give me your platform. You've got to give me my, your pulpit. You've got to do this. Elijah tested Elisha. He tried to leave him several times, and Elisha said, I'm not going to leave you. Now, I know that's not the nicest thing to do, but prophets aren't always the nicest people either. Amen. There's a grace to serve. One of the foundations of relationships is prayer. You can't stay mad at someone that you're praying for. So if you begin praying for your spiritual mother and father, people don't realize this because they connect the spiritual mother and father and just suck the life out of them. But you need to deposit something back in. You need to pray. So if I have a son or daughter that comes with a bunch of demands, it instantly, instantly alerts me that they've got the ministry mentality, not the family mentality. And I don't know if they're, the depth of my relationship with them is the first no. The first time I tell them no, the relationship is done. And so I know there's not longevity in that relationship. So how can we steward revival together? And being a major outpouring that's testing. See, when you get in these major outpourings, it tests everything about you. Your brain gets so tired. Your body's so tired. And then the enemy shows up. And the enemy starts saying, that was so crazy last night. That was so ridiculous what you did. I mean, it's happened to me over and over and over a thousand times. And you know what keeps you in those situations? When you got people around you saying, no, God was in that. God was breathing on that. And that's when sometimes fathers and mothers turn to their sons and daughters. I have this African-American lady in one of our churches. And she said, you know, we don't understand you white people. And I said, well, what don't you understand? First of all, I'm offended you call me a white person because I identify more as a black person. But okay, whatever. <laughs> I just love the culture. And so uh, she said, when, when our men and women of God preach and give out, we don't let them finish till we surround them and pour back into them. She said, we pray 
for the men and women of God because the higher level of anointing they're walking in, the greater they need to be poured back into. She said, we surround them in a meeting and pray for them before they leave. And I thought, boy, what a level of honor that is. What a level of honor that is, amen? So there's a grace to serve. If you can't serve a spiritual mother, father, and that's Galatians teach that. Galatians says that really when you look at a servant and a son from a distance, it's hard to tell the difference because they're both serving. But the big difference is this. When you set the dinner table, the servant's not invited in to sit down at the dinner table, but the son's invited in. Why? Because they have an inheritance. When my son travels with me, he'll probably outserve anybody else that ever travels with me. He gets mad if I won't let him carry my stuff. He gets upset if I'm tired in a service and somebody's talking to me for an hour. He'll come and interrupt them and say, my dad needs to go. He serves, but he doesn't serve to try to get something from me. He serves out of position of love and covenant. There's a grace to serve. There's, thirdly, a grace to inherit. Sonship always releases inheritance. This is part of the impartation. I believe when Paul stood in the book of Romans and said to the church, I long to see you to impart a spiritual gift, he was talking about inheritance. Because they were in relationship, there was a grace for a flow to come off of him and into them. See, a lot of people go, well, I want an impartation. You know how you're going to get it? By forming spiritual relationship. It's called the law of transfer. The deeper the connection, the greater the transfer. That's why you've got to be careful who speaks in your life because it'll transfer something onto you. So there's a grace to inherit, inherit. Impartation, I believe, is a sonship principle. Fourthly, there's a grace to endure and persevere. Elijah says to Elisha, if you're here at the end, Paul says to Timothy, my true son, meaning there were counterfeits. There were others that said, I'm with you till the end. And when the end came, they weren't there. One of the greatest markers of sons and daughters is that they're faithful. This doesn't mean there's not going to be challenged. See, we have to have enough grace that we can have grace to disagree. We can sit and talk about deliverance and say, well, my methodology is, you know, jumping on top of them and roaring. Well, my methodology is laying a Bible on them. Well, my methodology is counseling them in a back room. And we can sit there and completely disagree, but say, you know what? I'm in relationship with you. We'll let the Holy Ghost sort all of this out. See, we often think the relationship means total agreement. Basically, what we're saying then is everybody lay down your identity so we can be a family. It's not what it means. It means grace to say, we, I just massively disagree with you, but at the same time, I massively love you and I'm in relationship with you. And whoever's not right in the situation, we're going to trust the Father to sort it out. See, we don't have to align just by agreement. We can align by leading of the Holy Ghost. So there's grace to endure and persevere. And fifthly, and this is very important, there's grace to honor. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. We don't like to talk about that because we call it control. But the reality is this, that sons of God honor the Father with obedience. In the charismatic movement, the people that I've seen that continually have struggles, whether it be financially in their family or whatever, are usually people who don't have honor. And, you know, we get free from the spirit of religion, and then we think we don't have to honor anybody. But the Bible's a book of honor. The Bible talks about husbands honoring their wives by creating a spiritual shield over them and protecting them in the spirit and becoming the spiritual gatekeeper of their home. And then wives uh, honoring the husband by, by coming under the, the, the direction of the, the mission that the Holy Spirit reveals and releases them. And oftentimes in marriage, there's such a, a breakdown because husbands aren't even taking their position and the wives are having to be the spiritual leaders and they're completely frustrated. But God gives us this picture of massive honor 
And then children, that if they honor their parent and parents, they're going to have a long life. And then we bring it down in the church world, and we see that we're called to walk in honor. We're called not to look like the world that gets angry and just starts blasting each other. But we're called to walk in a realm of honor that is uncommon, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is so rich in us that we just naturally want to honor people that have contributed in our lives. I'm almost done. Timothy became Paul's spiritual son. Paul was drawn to Timothy. And the Bible tells us throughout the book of Acts that Timothy was a constant companion in Paul's life. He just stuck with them. He just kept going with them. And there are some responsibilities of, of a son or daughter that I want to give you. Number one is to love. Love is the foundation of every covenant. Number two is to pray. You've got to pray for those that you're in relationship with. Number three is to serve. Number four, and this is huge, is to be teachable. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I was preaching at this lady's church, and she said, I really want to connect you. I really think you're supposed to be my apostle. And then every time I opened my mouth, she talked over the top of me. And I said, you know, there are really two different ways that people manifest disrespect. I said, number one is they don't listen to what you're saying. That's very disrespectful. Or number two, when you make an appointment with them, they're late all the time, which says they don't value your time. And I said, real ignorant people just talk all the time. They don't ever listen to what somebody else has to say. See, I already know everything I know. If I sit down with some great leader in the faith, I'm not going to sit there and tell them how wonderful I am and how much revelation I have. All I'm doing is manifesting my own insecurity and ignorance. And so when we connect to people, we've got to be teachable. If you're not teachable, your relationship will not have endurance to it. Another thing that sons and daughters have to do is not be demanding. You can't come into it and say, I'll be here if you do this and this and this. Another thing they have to do is be loyal. You know, if somebody attacks somebody you're in covenant with, they're attacking you. There's too many Christians that somebody can attack their spiritual mother or father, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. I've had them tell me, well, so-and-so really was saying bad things about you. And I said, well, what did you say? And why were they comfortable enough to say all that to you? Someone's not going to come to my wife. I was with this one pastor, and some lady in his church was attacking his wife. And I said, you better shut that down, bro. And he said, well, but she's right. And she, I said, I don't care. I said, you got two different levels of covenant here. Your wife's going to be with you, and that lady leaves your church. And I said, she's attacking your wife. You better honor that covenant. doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything your wife's doing, but you're going to shut down the arrows thrown at your wife. And he refused to do it. And guess what? The lady left his church. See, I've learned one thing. At the end of the day, when the chips are down, when I'm not walking in the anointing, when I'm not doing all maybe I need to do, it's my family and those in covenant with me that are going to be there. So I'm fiercely loyal about those I'm in covenant with. doesn't mean I always agree with them, but what I'm not going to do is tolerate somebody else's disrespect towards those I'm in covenant with because from a covenant mindset, when they're disrespecting that person, they're disrespecting me. So loyalty is very important. And then to defend. You know, I think sometimes God puts revival tribes together. And part of the thing is you defend that tribe. That you say, look, enemy, you're not going to come in here and just attack these people. You're not going to come in here and rip this thing apart. Um, And then to protect. Protect the vision. Protect the house you're connected to. Protect the call of God. Listen, if you're not willing to fight for those you're in relationship with, you don't really value the relationship. Thank you, Father. And then pursue. You've got to be willing to pursue relationship. You know, my spiritual father was traveling all over the nations when I first met him. He was probably home two or three days a week. Now, here's the problem that people have. If you got an appointment to go speak to the president 
of our nation or your nation. Five minutes of their time is like an hour of most of our times when you measure out by responsibility and schedule. And many people want great people to speak in their lives, but, but they measure the amount of investment through their own mindset and schedule. And we're all stewarding different levels of responsibility. I've had to tell some of my sons, I've got one that, you know, if we don't talk on the phone every day, he feels like something's wrong. And I said, look, there are some days I don't talk to members of my family every day. I mean, I get into these swirls of demands and schedule that's very difficult. So you've got to have grace. One of the responsibilities of son or daughter is to pursue. God asks us to pursue him. In our spiritual relationships, pursuit is critical. You've got to pursue that relationship and understand their schedule and understand those demands. Now let's talk about the responsibilities of a father and mother. Number one is to love. Love is the foundation. Number two is to guide. They bring guidance in your life. Number three is to govern. You know, government is healthy when it's flowing through love. It's not governing like you're going to obey me, but it's governing like, okay, here's some instruction. Here's some things that will help you. Number four is to pray. Then five is to mentor. Then to impart. Then to lead. And here's a huge one, to invest. If we're going to father and mother be, we have to invest in them. I was at a, a, a leadership meeting outside of Sydney, and they asked me, how do you minister to your spiritual sons and daughters? And I said, I gather them. I gather them in. We have special gatherings and bring them in. It's amazing. Many times, some of them are struggling. I had this one that was struggling with a certain thing, leading a ministry. And we had this gathering that the whole gathering was just going to focus on what he was struggling with, and he didn't come. And I'm like, hello. You know, we planned this for your benefit, but you didn't come. And so it's one of the things is that we have to create channels of investment. The more people we're leading, the more difficult that gets. We have to correct. Sometimes a spiritual mother, father, you have to correct. You can't just go without correction. Why? Because the Bible said, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Here's a dirty word, rebuke. Sometimes you have to rebuke. No, you can't act that way. No, you're not going to do that. And then here's a huge one, forgive. Because you have to understand mistakes will be made. In the move of God, things get messy. And then lastly, you lead with love and commitment. People will tolerate correction and rebuke when they know you're in it for the long haul. Say, no matter what you do, you can't talk me out of loving you and believing in the call upon your life. And that opens up such a huge channel. Thank you, Father. And I believe, you know, God spoke to Moses. And God said, Moses, you can't carry this weight alone. I want you to gather 70 men, elders of the tribe of Israel, and I'll take the spirit that's upon you, and I'll pour it out upon them. I will release a massive impartation upon sons and daughters to carry this apostolic vision. Now, I believe God is asking the revival tribes in this hour to carry an apostolic vision. We've got to learn to be sons and daughters of the Most High God first. God's inviting us to exploits. He's inviting us to wonders but it's going to flow from a place of sonship. And then God wants to weave us into messy, challenging, difficult relationships that cause us to love each other and go the long haul. My spiritual father one time decided to rebuke me in a packed out meeting with 800 people. Everything in me was screaming. Like when I say rebuke me in the meeting, I mean like from the microphone. Everything in me was screaming like, This isn't fair. This isn't right. You know what God said to me? He said, no, it's not. But I didn't ask you to get in relationship with him 
when it was fair and when it was right. I sent you for a purpose. There was another time that one of his key leaders had really attacked me. And I was just at a place in my life that I, I wasn't processing it well. And I was sitting at my desk and I was writing a letter to say, I, I massively honor and love and respect you. But I just feel like the Lord, you know, it's amazing we can make our own rejection so prophetic. <laughs> I just feel like the Lord is calling me to a different season. And the Lord said to me, Ryan, who put you in relationship with your spiritual father? And I said, you did, father. And he said, then why would you think you have the liberty to exit that relationship? And it just taught me such a massive revelation. I had someone come to me recently and they said, you know, your spiritual father's more in the faith vein. You're moving the apostolic vein. Maybe you should get a different father. And I said, well, there's a problem with that. I've got to be in Elisha and I've got to be there when the chariot gets taken up. So, yes, I'm going to get other mentors and other voices speaking into me that are helping me steward the current revelation I'm carrying. But I'm not in a relationship based on the revelation. I'm in a relationship based on the longevity. I don't say to my wife, well, wow, we've had a really good season, but I feel like I'm moving in a different season now. I don't say to my mom, you know, I really love you. and We've had a good season, but it's a different season. No, I'm in relationship for the long haul. What would the body of Christ look like if we could steward massive moves of God as sons and daughters? I believe that's what the Lord wants to do. In fact, I would be so bold to say I believe most of the major crashes and falls we've seen in revival ministry have been because people had roots of rebellion and rejection in them. Today, I believe the Lord wants to really heal orphan hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to open up. I believe there's people in here that you felt the winds of God blowing on you. You felt the awesomeness of the Holy Spirit breathing over you. And you know that God has something beautiful for you. But God is asking you, will you bear your heart before me and let me heal it? You already have the power of God. You have the anointing of God. But God wants to raise up his character in you, his nature in you. Father, I just thank you. Could, the, could we just get some music? Father, I thank you for the, the presence of Jesus today. I thank you for your awesomeness, Father. Daddy, we love you this morning. We love you this morning. We love you this morning. God, I thank you for your healing waves blowing through this place right now. I want to ask you while everybody's praying, is there anybody here today that says, Ryan, if I died today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. You know, the greatest sonship of all is coming in a relationship with God, your Father. That God so loved you that while you were yet a sinner, he sent Jesus to die for you. And there's a massive invitation today to come and know Jesus. To come and be saved. To come and be free. To come and be healed. I believe God is standing here today saying, I accept you and I love you. If you're in this room and you say, if I died today, I don't know if I'm right with God. Maybe you've never asked Jesus in your life before. Or maybe... You've prayed that prayer, but somehow you've just kind of gotten swept up in other things. And you realize you're, there's a bit of distance between you and the Lord. If that's you, I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to raise your hand. We may all be Christians today, and all right, but if there's anyone that's not sure where you're at with the Lord, I just want to pray with you today. Father, I thank you for the presence of Holy Spirit right now. When I count to three, if that's you, just raise your hand up. One, thank you for your convicting power and presence. Two, Three. So anybody else says, I need to get right with the Lord today. Thank you, Father. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Then I want to ask another question. 
And the question is this. As the Lord has had me sharing on these things today. And I, I, I really, okay, Lord. Lord is saying to deliver this in waves. I really feel like there's some men in the house that, and this was a thing that I learned is that as God began to process me through my own journey of healing, and you know, the truth is there's still times and moments I feel that rejection try to crop up. But I realized that I really couldn't even take on the concept of being a father to anybody else because it was such a foreign concept to me. So I needed to invite God in to let God heal me. And I just want to ask the question with eyes closed. If there are men in the house that say, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. I just, you might even have a father that lives with you and all of that, but you've just never felt accepted by him. And just find a real father wound in your heart. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to pour a measure of his healing grace in that today. So if that's you, if you're a guy and that's you, just raise your hand right now. Say that's speaking to me. All right, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Lord. What about the ladies that you say, you know, I've just really warred with rejection. I've just really warred with being a daughter and understanding the reality of that. Would you just raise your hands? I believe there's healing for you. I believe there's healing today on all fronts. You know, all weekend we had so many testimonies, people healed of chronic pain. Massive, I mean, last night was like a, a cannon went off. It's weird because today is so different than that. But I just sense there's a deep well. You know, when you start putting your finger on stuff that's sensitive, the flesh tends to withdraw. But here's the deal. I don't want to see you revivalists launch off like a rocket. And then rejection wounds just smash you down and you crash and burn. I want to see God embrace you as a son or a daughter. Father, I just thank you for healing. Those that are being called to steward the flames of revival. That's, I guess, even another call. How many of you feel like there's a five-fold call in your life and you're being called to steward the flames of revival? But if you're honest about it. Maybe what I've spoken today speaks to you and you go, yeah, I need to deal with some of this. Raise your hands. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for healing today. We thank you that today is a day of healing. Today is a day of healing. We just release healing flow right now. Just massive amounts of healing right now. Just let the guard down. Let the Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, come now. Like a flood, like a wave, like a river, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Just going to ask the ministry team from here. I don't know who all that is, but you know. Will you just come? Joy and Jamie, will you come? I don't know where Pastor Brad, he always sneaks out at the worst moments. But he'll come back in. There he is. I want to just ask all of you guys to just come to the front. I, I, you know, man, I just feel this on you. Just just come here. I just feel like like you've got so much fire on you. You've got so much power on you. But you just need a papa. You just need a daddy. And I know, man, I know how much that stings. And this is the thing, when, you're, when, when you've been hurt, the last thing you want to do, I mean, the last thing is like to open up your heart. And I get that. 
And this is why I like paradox, because I believe they're creating a safe place that's like you can come with all your mess, with all your wounds. You know, God spoke a word to me that so challenged me. He goes, Ryan, you're going to swim in many streams, and you're going to see things in services you totally disagree with. But I'm going to show you people's hearts, and you're going to connect based on their hearts. And you're going to love them because it takes many streams to make one river. And I'm so tired of all this division. Like, I'm in the apostolic camp. Well, I'm in the revival camp. I didn't even know a few years ago there was a difference between the revival camp and the awakening camp. The awakening camp thinks revival is a low-level thing. And the revival people just want to burn. I'm like, can we just get beyond all this crud, this crap? Can we just get past this? And I'm not in any camp. I'm in the Jesus camp. And if you love Jesus, I'll get in your camp with you. So we're not going to build just by agreement. We're going to build through surrender and love and acceptance. But I just believe, man, there's massive destiny for you. But you've got to have a papa. You've got to have a papa to steward this thing well. Father, we thank you for healing today. All right, so if you need healing, if you raise your hand on any of these things, I, I want to pray for you. Just, just come here. Yes, you. You have just such a beautiful, wonderful heart. And God just loves it. God's excited about it. And I'm excited about it. Father, I just think. So if you needed healing in these areas, just come. Find your way to the front. Just come up. Let Holy Spirit encounter you. Open up the wounds. Let rejection go. Let healing flow. Just come, 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 come. Father, I just think.